0: You're listening to episode 108 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives.
1: Hey, hey guys. Yeah. You hear that? Yeah. It's the sweet sound of Phil shutting the fuck up.
2: Oh, and <laughs> boy, does it feel good. Oh, well, Pete ruined
1: it. <laughs> I'm just
2: saying this is like this is the episode where all the the kids are away it's just the adults at the table now
1: the the adults and Woody Woodpecker
0: (laughs) (laughs) wow oh boy Kale with the early zinger man is anyone surprised (laughs) yeah that was amazing uh, boy, all right, well, <clears throat> we are the Comics Pals, uh, we are happy <laughs> to be with, with you this morning. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, what else do we do? <laughs> we're here, I got a mic I in front of this me. this is the show now. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, it's obviously a rough one because, uh, as of this week, uh, Stan Lee died, um, he died. It's Saturday for us. Uh, he died on Monday, so you know we've had a lot of time to think about this and uh, and everything else. And we're gonna talk about that a lot later in the show. So um, you know, if you haven't already been inundated with the news and everything, uh, you're gonna want to stick around. We've got a lot of things we're gonna talk about in relation to him, but we're also gonna have some fun. It's the comics pals. It's what we do. So it's not gonna be all depressing, um, especially because Stan had such a great life. There's a lot to celebrate and not just mourn over, so don't don't worry too much. Um, and Phil and Marco aren't here, so that's enough reason to celebrate in and of itself. Oh.
1: I mean, yeah, Marco's not so much of a, a bother. He, you can put him in the corner with a toy or something. <laughs> He's okay, but Phil just a little chatterbox,
0: man. Let me ask you a real talk question, okay? You guys ever, like, is it ever, like, two in the morning, and you're on your computer or your Facebook messenger, and you get about seven messages in a row from Uh, Phil? Dog,
1: dog, I live in Europe. Yes, that happens to me every night.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's Phil's style of communication. During the entirety of season three of Daredevil, it was every day.
0: (laughs) I just get a short novel. But it's like, (laughs) hey, it's like, hey, guys, this episode of Daredevil, amazing. Wow. I can't wait to talk about it with you all.
1: And it's all one word. One word. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's very, uh, very frustrating. Um, I mean. Phil's not on the episode. Gotta, you know, gotta take a, a big dump on him. We gotta
2: take our shots while we can.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's what we do here on the Comics Pals. Uh, what we also do is we do really good podcasting. So... <laughs> Hang on, shut up. Yeah. You know oh, that... I was um... gonna, I was, oh my God. I was... You know that... Um... <laughs> 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 Phil, Phil is
1: that vine of... The kid who's running around the pool, and the mom goes, "Hey,
0: what do you got?" And he goes, "A knife." <laughs> That's what Phil is. <laughs> that is what Phil is, uh, and we love him for it. Sometimes, well, like, like we we like him for it. Well, all right, fine.
2: I love Phil. Well, in the way that I'm that I'm legally required to.
0: I don't even know how to respond to that. Uh, so I'm going go to go into my spiel. Uh, we are all over the internet. We are uh, on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and all those other podcast hosting platforms. So go check us out. We are at The Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. You can write to us at TheComicsPals at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you're on YouTube and watching this, thank you very much. Uh, you can. Make sure to leave us a comment, drop us a like, subscribe to the channel, and share this video with your friends to let them know that we're out here and you like what we do. All of those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you, so uh, please do help us out. Um, We've got some good content coming down the pipe. Uh, We've got the Infidel uh, book club that we we put out uh, recently, and we've got the Pride of Baghdad book club that is coming out the last Friday of this month. So after you've eaten all the food in the world, you can sit down with a full belly and read a book about hungry lions. uh, And feel bad about yourself. So (laughs) be sure to... And you you,
1: you will if you listen to that episode, so... Mm, Yeah. Um, If
2: you're not already feeling some food guilt, uh, read this book that'll make you feel bad.
0: Yeah. So... Be sure to check that out. You've got some time left to go pick that book up if you want to read along with us. But even if you don't, you'll want to hear our thoughts. So there's that. Uh, and uh, that's about it. That's about it. We've got a lot of good stuff that's come out recently. So go check all that jazz out. Let's do some pals pulls. Uh, so from Kale, we've got Crimson Lotus, number one. <clears throat> yes.
1: Yeah, so this is a, uh, a Lobster Johnson spinoff. Um, It's following the, I guess, I guess the origin story of his arch nemesis. Um, So it's got it's got to do with Lobster Johnson. So I'm fucking
0: in. Cool. That's very, very cool. Um, Lobster Johnson. Man, I've heard so much about that, but I don't know anything about it. Isn't that's the book that's
2: the fictional book in the universe of Hellboy, right?
0: Yeah. So he he's sort of
1: a a noir uh, superhero in the Hellboy universe. Uh, but he, he, he's similar to, um, like the shadow in ours in that he, he has had like multiple, uh, film versions of himself. And there were, you know, sixties comics about him in the style of like, so he's
2: like a big character back in the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the comics, the, the graphic novels, uh, are the adventures of Lobster Johnson. It's not like uh, not the the fake ones, but the 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 real ones.
2: The real adventures of yeah, yeah. the guy that has fake books about him in this other book. <clears throat> these are these are the the canonical adventures of Lobster Johnson. And this, so this is a spin-off of that spin-off. Yep. Damn. That's interesting. We're like we're talking about like 70s television level of spin-off here. That's
0: pretty cool.
1: It's Hellboy, man. They've got 30 million spin-offs.
0: <laughs> so, for me, uh, we've got American Carnage, number one. Uh, I've been looking forward to this book quite a bit because it is by Brian Hill. Uh, and the Arts by Leandro Fernandez. So, that's a pretty strong creative team. Uh, this was part of the whole uh, what the Vertigo package of books that, that are coming out. All those books that they had teased a while back. Hmm. Um, sure. Sure. And uh, this one, in particular, uh, it seems like it's going to be really interesting because it deals with an FBI agent who infiltrates a white supremacist group. Um,
3: oh, right. Okay. Yeah.
0: I think I remember talking about that one. Yeah. So, um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, <laughs> that's not fun, but you know what I mean. And uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a fun premise. Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Uh, and I'm just—you have to imagine he's going
2: to kill some white supremacists at some point. That'll be fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh,
0: and Brian Edward Hill is—I mean—probably has to be the breakout writer of 2018. So um, I've loved everything he's published this year, and I can't wait for this to kind of put the year to bed for him. Uh, so yeah.
1: Um, I did have one more, Sean. Um, oh shoot! Titan, Sorry. Titan is releasing a, a book called McKay. Um, it's uh, an invented biography of the uh, cartoonist uh, Windsor McKay, um, who did um, the the uh, the Little Nemo comic. Um, he was a famous animator, <clears throat> and uh, so this is like a, a half biography, half sort of um, imaginative. Um, a telling of of his life um That's yeah cool. it's a full graphic novel about that um i'm a big fan of Wizard mckay um his his early stuff is very um, very very sort of off the wall for you know er, early comics he uh you know he's the you, i i'm sure you've seen it he's the um the original guy who did the the comic about uh, the bed that takes takes its sleeper away and it's like Walking, it's got the really long posts, hmm.
0: doesn't ring a bell, but okay.
1: Well, anyway, it's a super famous uh strip. Um, and uh, this yeah, this book uh, um, looks like it'll be really, really interesting. So
0: awesome, sorry, I missed that. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah, you uh, should be cool. Well, I am. Oh, good. So, uh, we're gonna jump into the news, and it's kind of uh, it's kind of a bummer. Uh, because the president of San Diego Comic-Con has died. Um, John Rogers was, as I said, the president of San Diego Comic-Con for, and I should say Comic-Con International, um, for 30 years. And, uh, in that time, I mean, <laughs> San Diego Comic-Con went from being a small, a relatively small local con to the event that it is now uh, the premier event in in comics um, and uh, he died from a complication uh, of his of his brain cancer that he had um, uh, which is obviously a horrible way to go I would imagine um, but uh, he's responsible in a lot of ways for the growth of this industry I don't think that um, it can be understated how important conventions are to comics, um, because in a lot of ways they're the lifeblood of of comics. In the sense that a lot of indie creators get get you know their opportunity through that. Uh, you know, Dirk Manning be nothing without uh, conventions. You know, and and so many of the creators that we have on this show are the same. And even though San Diego Comic Con now isn't necessarily a, f- uh, a friend to indie creators just because of how large it is and the variance of the reasons why people go there. Um, for many years prior to that, it was that. Uh, and, you know, we owe him a debt of gratitude, I would say. So, um, rest in peace and thank you for what you contributed. Um, I did just want to quickly read a couple of things that people had to say um, about him. Uh, So, the San Diego Comic-Con Twitter feed uh, put out the following. It is with profound sadness that we announce the passing of John Rogers, president of Comic-Con. John died on Saturday, November 10th, 2018, as a result of complications from glioblastoma, an aggressive form of brain cancer. As our longest-serving president, first elected in 1986 and re-elected every year since John's tenure saw Comic-Con grow from a select gathering of fans to the largest and most prestigious convention of its kind in the world. We have a mission to bring comics and related popular art to a wider audience, so while people see images in the media of many attendees dressed in costume or big booths on the exhibit floor, there are also two floors of meeting space that are used for panels, workshops, and programs that highlight areas of art that the public may not be generally aware so hats off to you and what you uh, brought to the industry and thank you so into some happier news uh, congratulations are in order because oh thanks oh, god Kale uh, because Jeff why couldn't you be absent this week why couldn't you be absent this week you just interrupted me too how about I do the show alone then there's no one who can interrupt me <laughs> At least Marco doesn't <laughs> talk, so he's not interrupting anybody. But then it's not a conversation. I don't need to have conversation. It's still not a conversation. I could do the show for two hours by myself. I wish you would.
2: All right, Kelly. I wish Kelly, I Kelly,
1: would,
3: you too. you want to go get
2: Perkins?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I right, really do. <laughs> God. I'm trying to congratulate Jeff Lemire because... Why didn't you say so? Uh, Black Hammer... Has been optioned by Legendary for several <laughs> movies and shows. Oh, this sounds
2: dope!
1: I'm yeah, so excited yeah. about
0: this. So,
2: yeah, you're a huge fan of Black Hammer, yeah right? Yeah, I am.
0: So, uh, the president of Legendary, te- Legendary's television studios, Nick Pepper, spoke with the New York Times, and he said the following. With our development team one of our big initiatives was to bring in a superhero universe. We were lucky enough that this was available. So, not the not the most enthusiastic of quotes ever, <laughs> but uh,
2: yeah, right, like we were really excited to <laughs> to bring a superhero property to our slate of films. And you know what? This is a superhero property. It, it, it was available. Fuck, it doesn't matter. Just give it
1: yes, throw money at it. They're superheroes. Fine.
0: They got capes? Great. I love capes. Guy's got a hammer. Thor's got a hammer. Kids like hammers. Uh, I don't even know if it has hammers. Does it have hammers,
1: Kim? Oh, it's that's the whole point of the book. Yeah, it's the great big hammer. Oh, okay,
0: good. <laughs> uh, it's called so, Black Hammer.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, in addition to that, Black Hammer, I mean, uh, it's going to be made into multiple products Um even within comics he said it's not just one book it's a whole universe with multiple books and it will be multiple projects for film and television he goes on to say Black Hammer is my love letter to superhero comics as an indie comic so uh that's that's very very cool and Lemire's had a great year because Gideon Falls was also uh it's also being adapted and then Sweet Tooth was announced as being adapted uh, Ascender
1: did too didn't it uh, Descender,
2: back? I don't think it's, like... That got picked up before the first issue had even come yeah. out. But I don't know, like, how actively in development it, it no. is, you yeah. know? But either way, I mean, like... My man is optioning stuff left and right. So, to Sean's point, like, that's a really good... Rolling in those Benjamins. Yeah, I mean, if, if even if even one of these things pans out, he's gonna become a very wealthy person, you know? And, like... Good for him, you know, like he's a talent, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does, you know, as he is maybe able to get his hands in more mediums or have more money to fund more projects that are, you know, um, close to his chest.
0: he's He's really an interesting figure because I wouldn't say that he ever really uh, I wouldn't say that he blew up in superhero comics in the, in the sense that like. I wouldn't say that he had a an overwhelmingly big hit in that space. Yeah, Uh, he's really he's really done all his work in the indies, and that's cool.
1: Uh, Yeah, it it felt like for a while that um, his his superhero writing it it was good, but it wasn't terrific. Yeah, and then he kind of stepped away and did like Ascender, and I think he started Black Hammer. And that was when it really picked up. I think I've always thought that him doing Black Hammer really, like, snapped it all into place. Like, he figured it out. Sure. Or figured out what he wanted to do, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, I was a big fan of his uh, Animal Man run. I don't know, Marco. I I think Marco was too, yeah. Yeah. We both liked that quite a bit. But uh, nothing that he he did otherwise was really stand out. His Hawkeye was solid. Um, But... Everything else was like fine. Uh so it's it just it's just a really interesting case of a guy who didn't need the superhero comics genre to make his career happen. Um Yeah. And that's not typical. So
1: have you guys read uh Sweet Tooth? Uh no, I haven't. No. I think I read literally one issue. Yeah, it's it's very good. It goes to some very dark and very uh weird places, but it's very good.
0: Yeah, I picked up the first one. I think, not sure why I put it down, but um, I'm honestly not reading anything that he's writing right now, and I mm. I should change that. Yeah, because I think you'll him. like Black Hammer. I really do. Right by all accounts, that's really good, and um, mm-hmm. Descender. Right. I haven't, so. uh, I haven't, I haven't gotten to
1: bite into the spinoffs yet, but I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, the Sherlock Frankenstein trade and the. Uh, uh, what is it? Doctor, Doctor star and, uh, something, something of tomorrow. Um,
3: <laughs> sounds like know, a good within book that,
1: within that black hammer world. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. I, you have always like made it sound like a book that I'd be really interested in. And I, I only read the first, I want to say two arcs of Descender, um, back when it was fresh. And, uh, and I, I liked it a lot. So I, I, I definitely, I think I want to give black hammer a shot as well. Um, and the fact that there's like a lot of offshoot does he do all the offshoots yeah. himself yeah. too or okay cuz that that is really attractive to me cuz if i like it and there's more like that's <laughs> that's always
0: fun yeah definitely going to be giving that a look maybe uh maybe some holiday reading we'll see yeah that could be good so uh even though Mr. Miracle has reached its end uh DC is not done with that corner of the DC universe. Um, So the female furies are going to be getting a comic book of their own. It's going to be called female furies appropriately. And it's going to be dropping February, 2019. Um, So the, the, the creative team is going to be Cecil Castellucci and Adriana Mello. Uh, Adriana Mello actually is working on Plastic Man with Gail Simone right now, uh, and the oh the art at least on that is really great. Uh, I wasn't super into the first issue, and so I dropped it. But the art was tremendous. Um, and then Cecil is famous for Shade, the Changing Girl. Kale, did you read that?
1: No, I haven't. I think Marco did. All right. I think he he re- I think he really
2: liked it.
0: Okay, that was one of the um, the vertigo young animal books. Young yeah. animal, yeah, you're right. So Castellucci spoke a little bit with Polygon <clears throat> about the uh, book and her philosophy behind it, and she had this to say: "The fact is that the Furies are kept down by the circumstance of where they live and who is in power. How do women in that kind of world have an awakening and ultimately a reckoning with their lot?" And how do they come into their own true power and become a team to make a change for better or worse? What does it mean to have someone's back after years of stabbing people in the back? Um, there's, there's a lot of interesting meat to that and a lot of subtext that I think uh, she's going to be playing with because there, there's a few angles. Uh, so in the comics world, the Furies are, are raised sort of by Granny Goodness, and she's like an evil person. She's wickedly smart. Uh, If you've read Mr. Miracle at all, you'll realize that the trauma that Miracle and Big Barda are suffering from has probably more to do with Granny goodness than it does Darkseid. Um, Because of the way that she sort of makes you fall in love with her as a parental figure, but also tortures you viciously. Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: there's there's a way that they also portray her character in the uh the justice league animated series that i would say also captures that perfectly like you you can just like you know the way you described it you know how the plot of mr miracle or whatever i i didn't know about but i could also see that applied to that character's portrayal in the justice league animated series just on point
0: awesome yeah i haven't seen that Um, And I'm actually not super familiar with her, except for in Mr. Miracle, which uh, has done such a good job of illustrating who she is without her really appearing much. So that's really cool that you said that uh, that that matches. Um, But the other the other layer of that, you know, really is talking about uh, kind of women's role in society or what it's like to be a woman in society. Lots of times uh, you know, we've heard women talk about uh feeling like they have to compete with each other for roles or for attention in a world that's dominated by the male gaze. So the idea of the Furies kind of being at at war with each other and always at each other's throats to stand out in the eyes of Granny Goodness and Darkseid um, for me, kind of mirrors the real world. And then the idea of them having to figure out how to come together, I assume, to overthrow her in this book. Um, I think that's that's really cool. I love, I love what they're playing with here.
1: Well, and I wonder, you know, obviously I haven't read Mr. Miracle. But the implication from that quote, potentially, if you take it a step further, could be to overthrow Darkseid as well. So, and yeah. so, so with the the growing a- attention of uh you know Mr. Miracle and the the I, not necessarily the new gods part of the the universe but the um the the apocalypse side I wonder if uh you know DC is sort of ramping up some attention to get rid of dark side again
0: yeah uh it's very possible. I haven't read the last issue of Mr Miracle yet, so I'm not sure how it ends but speaking to your point uh there is a um, synopsis that that's come out in a solicit text uh, so I'll just read that because I think it it illuminates what you're talking about. For their entire lives, the female Furies have been raised to be the meanest, most cunning, and most ruthless fighting force on all of Apocalypse. So why is it that Granny Goodness girls are left behind every time the men go to war? With the might of New Genesis hanging over the planet and the forever people making mincemeat of Darkseid's army, Granny thinks it's time all of that changed. And so it is that Big Barda, Ariel, Matt Harriet. Lashina, Bernadette, and Stampa set out to beat the boys at their own game. Little do they know, the game is rigged, and one mistake could spell da- disaster for our heroines. So, maybe somewhat kind of in the realm of what you're talking about. In Granny Goodness, we know, we know that she's always playing her own game, so who knows.
2: Just real quick, uh, the name death is fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is such a great
0: pun.
1: Stampa is
0: my favorite. <laughs> I got stuck on on Stampa. Yeah, that's that's funny.
2: Uh, it's hilarious. death is just like clever. Like that's like if there's, like a. Uh, like a really like hokey all girl metal band where they all had like goofy ghouly names. Like that's like you know what I, I mean? mean? Like You
1: just described the <laughs> uh, the Fury, so
2: Right, I guess. Uh this promotional art looks great, by the way. Um just like there's like some line work here uh from uh Adriana that looks really sharp.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it's
2: cool, uh, Mr. Strads is doing all the covers.
0: Yeah, yep. So there's something to look forward to on that front, uh, as well. Um, sure. Also, this this is actually set before Big Barda escapes Apocalypse, so I wonder how that kind of changes things. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so
2: I, I guess it
0: won't be informed
2: by, uh, Mr. Miracle.
0: Well, it says it pulls on a thread from Mr. Miracle number eight. And uh, we'll see how that we'll see how that plays because there's there's a few flashback sequences throughout Mister Miracle okay. regarding Interesting. their time on uh, on apocalypse. So we shall see. Now we gotta talk about the movie of the year, the movie that is sweeping multiple nations and tearing it up in the box office. Yes, I'm talking about... No, that's not out yet. mm, No, that's not. Not quite. Um, Although we might be talking about that movie in a similar capacity uh, when it does come out. Although we won't be talking about it on this show. Uh, You'll have to turn into the Video Game Pals for commentary on that one. We're talking about Venom. Venom, I keep forgetting that that happened. The movie? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how you could, you didn't see it. It's everywhere.
1: I, well, and the thing is, like, it's not on my radar as, like, a bad movie, but it's not on my radar as a good movie. So I was sitting here trying to come up with the most ridiculous movie, you know, within the past six months or whatever. And, like, it, I just completely
0: glazed over it. What were the other movies you thought of?
1: I None. That's oh, what I'm saying. Wow. Like, I'm trying to think of the most ridiculous ones that I could just... Pop off to make that quick joke, but nothing came out. So that's why I went Detective Pikachu. All
2: right. Uh, Well, nothing is more ridiculous than Venom is what I'm hearing here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Venom has now surpassed Justice League. In the worldwide box office, Uh, it's made six hundred and seventy three million dollars. Whereas Justice League made 657 million dollars so venom is doing very very well and not only is it doing well, but Sony is is <laughs> Sony is uh setting venom up to try to win Academy Awards for best Picture of the year. It is nominating Tom Hardy and Riz Ahmed for best actor. <laughs> Michelle Williams for best actress. <laughs> this this one really killed me. Uh best supporting actor Woody Harrelson.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sony, are you kidding Woody me? Woody
0: Harrelson was in the movie for 3 seconds. <laughs>
3: It was the
2: it was the end credits.
1: So there scene. nobody else in the movie? Like,
2: <laughs>
0: it's those four people.
3: <laughs>
0: oh. Uh, oh my god! Uh, Venom the the song for best original song, and uh,
2: right that one, that one I'll give you. Yeah. And Ruben
0: Fleischer for best director. Um, Get I mean, out of here, man. All,
2: all it takes
1: is a nomination. You put that in front of you know the academy award nominated venom i mean that that'll draw attention suicide squad's doing it
2: this movie this movie is a juggernaut you just can't stop it man no, you can't. it's going to win all the awards it's going to win every single one
0: <laughs> by the way uh that that's that's actually not true none of that is true uh sony's not actually trying to do that it's a it's a it's a parody account on Twitter that you know. You're trolling yeah, me. I you. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> hold on!
2: Hold on!
3: See At, that uh, that speech. Speaks...
2: Hey, uh, shut up a second. You Sean, shut up a second, Kale.
1: Did you fall for a parody account? You did brought you that fall to for the a show? parody
0: account? You're the one telling the news. I I thought it would be fun to portray it as real. <laughs> I think. Thou dost protest too much. I didn't protest. I just said I thought it'd be fun to bring it up as real. I don't know. Pete, I don't know about you, Kale. Well, fair. But
2: I the whole thing is I think it illustrates the fact that Venom taught me that I I should believe that anything is possible. You know? I had no faith in this movie and look at it. Look at me now. I'm it's making a fool of me. So to think that they would nominate it for best picture, who's to say man? Who's <laughs> well,
0: to say? It's, it's
1: <laughs> within the realm of possibility because fucking Suicide Squad got an Oscar.
0: I yeah. I mean when you think about it, in terms of box office, Venom has to be one of the best performing films of the year. Because you've I, got I
1: don't even know what came out this year. This year's been so
0: long. <sighs> it has been a long <laughs> year, man. You're not kidding. I'm ready for the end. Uh, it's
2: finally almost over.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Venom's still tearing it up. Congratulations. Somehow. <laughs> the, if you... Man, if you had told me
2: that a Venom movie... And even before I knew the details of it, right? Where I was, like, getting pissy. Like, if you had told me at any point in my life that a Venom movie would make more money than a Justice League movie... I would have, I would have fucking, I would have splapped you in the face, you know? Like, there's no way that I would have ever thought that was possible in my wildest dreams. And here
0: we are in 2018.
2: And here, and here we are. Venom beat out a movie in which Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman were the main characters.
0: (laughs) Wild. It's depressing, is what it is. Um, it's wild, dude. Like this is a this is a fucked up timeline. Yeah, I don't even think it says that much about Venom, to be honest. I think it says more about Justice League. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like how badly they fumbled that ball. Yeah, you talk about a botch. That's a that's a that's a billion dollar uh, bag that they just left on the table.
1: It's like yeah, when I saw that opening scene with Superman. I could have just walked out then. <laughs> really? I mean, at least, like, yeah, with the fucked up mouth. Oh, yeah, the mouth. I could have I walked out then and have known that the rest of the movie was going to be garbage.
2: And Venom, you know what? Venom didn't even have that. That's true. See, it's funny because the difference is, like, Venom and Justice League were very similar experiences for me. Like, I remember seeing Justice League with Phil. And the entire time we're looking at each other being like, you know what? Not as bad as I expected, but with Venom, I had that feeling and then it like at some point it just turned the corner. I was like, you know what? I am enjoying this. And like, I never quite got there with Justice League, but. Didn't you guys go drunk? Yeah, <laughs> we, we got drunk before we watched Justice League for sure.
1: <laughs> some of us had to drive, couldn't go drunk, had to be tragically sober.
2: I watched *Venom* stone cold sober and enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a good time. I enjoyed *Venom*. Uh, I never thought I would say that seriously. I really didn't think that I was gonna like it. I was just trolling, but it's a good movie. I mean, it's not <laughs> but, a good movie, but, but, but fucking no, it's on.
2: not. It's not a good movie, but it's a very enjoyable movie. <laughs> yeah,
0: and apparently there's a difference. Um, so. Marvel announced the newest creative team coming over to Daredevil. The Charles Soule run is coming to an end, uh, and as is the tradition with the Daredevil character, he is currently putting him through hell uh, at the end of his run and uh, leaving him in the worst possible situation for the next creative team to pick up the character. This is a time-honored tradition, And the creative team that will be picking up the character as announced on Earth's Mightiest Show will be Chip Zdarsky and Marco Cicchetto. That is a powerhouse creative team. Um, So, Chip Zdarsky, obviously, uh, coming hot off the heels of his spectacular Spider-Man run, and also, of course, Sex Criminals. Uh, Marco, famous for so many books. uh, Probably... My favorite artist in the industry, and if not that, top three. Uh, I I think he is completely unbelievable, um, and uh, I'm actually really excited for this. What do you guys? Do you guys have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of Chip Zdarsky for sure, and I, you know, coming off of of Daredevil season three, I'm definitely in the mood for a Daredevil book. So I'm I'm yeah, I'm open to this one.
1: Yeah, Daredevil's not my uh usual pickup. I have read uh you know various runs here and there in no particular order, but you know, um Zdarsky's stuff is is and and an has always been very strong. And you know, we've seen a lot of his comedic chops over the years, and then you know, with uh um uh Marvel 2 in one. We really saw his his more dramatic uh, comic book skills, and I'm real excited to see him um, tear apart Daredevil and, and take a take a darker tone, right? Because you got to think like he he's not gonna go super light like Mark Wade, right? Like
0: that's the thing. I'm really hoping he doesn't because Mark Wade's run uh, it was all right, but I really didn't like the fact that it was light. I felt like it needed to be a little more serious. That's what I come to Daredevil for. Yeah. Uh, so I do hope that Zanarski brings that.
2: I, I think, like, I don't know. Looking at the the promotional image that they've put out, right? The the cover is Daredevil's mask. It's on fire. The title, not necessarily the title, but like the the subtitle is "No Fear." You know, and like no can uh, o w. So that. I don't know, that gives me a sense that that maybe it's... It seems like it's dark in tone, you know? For that being the the image they're, they're giving us. So, I don't know. Like, I would imagine that there will be humor, but I'm hoping that it's not, you know,
0: like you said, a light book. I want it to be a little weightier. You talk about just awesome timing, too. The people at Marvel... Wow. Um, Smart move. You know, yeah. The perfect time for Charles Run to end and to introduce a new creative team and a hot creative team. Um, I, I'm actually legitimately very excited for this. I haven't been keeping up with Charles Run on Daredevil. I started with it and I, I dropped off once they started talking about Elektra's baby and all this other Nonsense! I just I couldn't I couldn't really I don't know
1: In comics, bro. I I
0: I gotta tell you, there's been a trend over. I mean, it's not it's not new or anything, but I would say like I've really noticed it strongly over the last uh, like five years or so, um, maybe a little longer of comic book characters having children and. You know, it's a thing that happens, but it always feels weird. Like uh, Two Face has a daughter that's also a Two Face, and um, uh, uh, who was I just thinking about? Um, Spider Woman, Jessica yeah. Drew had a child, and she was and- like
1: pregnant, and that was like a storyline.
0: Yeah, um,
1: Penguin's just- got a, a child bride now.
0: Whoa, like Batman, Batman. Oh, yeah, okay, I'm behind on that. Um, Yeah, so I just, I don't know, it's kind of odd. The Joker's daughter character, who wasn't actually his daughter, but, you know, had the name, I remember being really pissed about that one. Until it was revealed that it was not real. Why the face? It's a weird thing to be pissed about. I just thought it was really exceedingly stupid. (laughs) Um and she didn't have a name. Her name was Joker's and her daughter. Her name is Joker's I mean. daughter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: like, is that weird
2: to be mad about a <laughs> But
0: I don't know. Uh, yeah. She found his face, okay, in the sewer, his his face that he cut off. Remember when he cut off his face?
3: Oh, hold on, John.
1: Hold on. I thought you were talking about the, uh, <laughs> the Joker's daughter that... Um, was just kind of floating around the DC universe before that happened. She was a uh, um oh it was it was during the one year later right after um Infinite Crisis. Ah, she in that in that in between time she was a uh, a Teen Titan.
0: Oh, what? no, I didn't know about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh no, it was not a very 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 short short-lived thing, you know. I'm sure they reset her for for um for the new 52. For that specific reason but uh yeah she just she you know painted her face and had a whole thing i think she's in the um uh the titans of tomorrow arc as well
0: oh uh, okay yeah i wasn't aware of that i was only talking about the, the more yeah recent yeah so,
1: so so just just a very just like
0: where the fuck did this
1: come from?
3: <laughs> you know, because like you can,
1: you could see someone picking up Joker's face and then go insane. No, Joker's daughter isn't the best name for it.
0: Uh, I mean, if I saw, if I saw just a human face laying around in any place at any time, I wouldn't go insane. I would run fast.
1: Well, but like she I, picked it up and put it on hers, and that's why she's the Joker's daughter.
0: Right. If you did that, you could be the Joker's daughter. (laughs) Well, I don't want to be anyone's daughter, so uh, I'm going to avoid that at all costs. In fact, Um, how do we even... uh, Whatever. Anyways. uh, So so Daredevil looks interesting. Yeah. Daredevil, Chip Zdarsky, Marco Cicchetto, coming soon. Really cool stuff. You want to stay tuned for that. So, uh, I guess all that's really left to talk about is... Stan Lee. Uh, by now, you know that Stan Lee has died. He died at 95 years old. Um, many refer to him as the father of comics. Um, I mean, his legacy and what he what he accomplished. Um, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it's astronomical, right? Um, I've I've talked to a lot of people this week who. You know, I'm I'm their comic book friend or whatever, and they're like, "Hey, <laughs> Stan Lee died. It's so sad." And uh, I'm like, "Yeah, it is." Uh, but when I when I think about the fact that he created characters that have inspired millions of people, and that beyond inspiration, there's no corner of the planet where there's someone where there are people who don't know any of the things that Stanley has created. And beyond that, well after people stop talking about him, well after people forget him or even forget the characters he created, there will still be characters that exist who were inspired by characters that he created or what he did. And that's, that's almost hard to grasp the reach of one man. Granted, you know, Lots of people also helped and worked with him and created alongside him, but you understand what I mean when I say, one "Yeah, man. yeah, right." Because we're here to talk about that one man, and
2: and specifically his contributions. Um, and we can we can get into that aspect of of his legacy. But you know, I think that w- what you're saying is is true, and it's it's true about Stan in a way that is true about so few creators you know when I when I think about people who had his level of impact um, because of you know how many relevant things he created in such a short amount of time that have maintained that legacy you know and that have eclipsed him you know and um, there really aren't many people who can claim that much influence over one medium in that way, you know? And, uh, you know, say what you will about Stan the Salesman. Like, those things are true, you know? And you can't take those away from him. Uh, Like, when when it comes to – when you think of Marvel, you know, most of those properties – like, his, his fingerprints are all over them, you know? And even some of the characters that he didn't create. Like, Captain America probably wouldn't be relevant if it wasn't for the fact that Stan was a fan of the character, you know? Um, and, you know, I think something that he really doesn't get enough credit for sometimes uh, is the humanization of superheroes. Because, you know, I think before... His time, you know, a lot of, of superheroes were very, you know, almost godlike figures. And it was Stan who ushered in the generation of, you know, Marvel heroes that were human. You know, like your Fantastic Fours, you know, like your X-Men, like your Spider-Man, you know, like those characters had a vulnerability that characters like superman and batman didn't at the time and that is something that changed the way superheroes were written and thought about and that that is something that i think like even to your point sean right beyond the characters he created it's the way he told stories and the the people that they inspired that is really his legacy yeah absolutely um
0: and a lot of people, like there have been so 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 many stories that have come out uh, over the past week about the kind of man he was, um, and uh, they've been really like. I, I guess I didn't really know that much about him, right? Like we all know the Excelsior, and we know about like the the personality that he is, but the um, character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There were a few stories that that really stuck with me, and I wanted to uh, share one of those real quick. This one comes from Gail Simone. Um, and uh, So so I'll just just read her words here. Keep in mind, Stan was being Stan Lee during the panel. She's explaining that they were on a panel together uh, by chance, and uh, so I'll carry on. The whole Excelsior thing, you know, great fun to watch, but it's definitely part of his mystique. So he came up to me and was smiling, being Stan Lee, and asked, So what do you do? I blushed and stammered a bit and said, Oh, I'm just a writer. For the life of me, I couldn't even remember to tell him I had written for Marvel for a bit. And this odd thing happened. The Stan Lee character dropped away, and he looked me dead in the eyes very seriously and said, Don't ever say you're just a writer. After a minute, it hit me, he wasn't scolding me, he was giving me quite possibly the best advice I had ever gotten in the simplest, most direct way. He was saying, don't minimize what you do, don't apologize for choosing this career. I believe he was saying, stand up straight and say it with pride. That changed everything for me. Until that point, I had really struggled with telling people what I did for a living. I would say, oh, it's just comics, or would avoid the subject entirely. Brian Bendis and Jeff Loeb and others had sat me down and tried to tell me that it was not endearing. It was a bit insulting to the readers, but I didn't get it. I didn't understand that it was borderline rude until Stanley told me in one sentence with the full weight of his personality and absolutely zero nonsense
1: to be fair i wouldn't uh, I wouldn't listen to anything Brian Bendis or Jeff
0: Loeb told me either.
3: So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um i I think it just it just illustrates for me um and, and a few other of the quotes that uh, that I've seen in the commentary, it illustrates for me that he really gave a damn. He really cared about comics, he cared about comics, he cared about superheroes, and it meant something to him uh that was very significant that 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 was what he was doing. And that—that's what that he was providing entertainment for people all across the world, and that that was something to be taken seriously, you know.
2: Yeah, and and I think uh, something to be proud of, you know, not not just to take seriously. Um, I I think I, I I always got the sense from listening to Stan talk that he had a very romantic view of what he did, and what and what. You know, creators do. And, uh, and that, you know, that's cool, man, because I think he's right. You know, I think a lot of artists are quick to minimize their work, you know, or their accomplishments or what, what their work can mean to people. You know, like, I, I think one of the most, um, I, I think I've told this story on the show before, so I'll be brief, but one of the most significant interactions I had with a creator was with Brian K. Vaughn, and I, I thanked him for his work, and he thanked me for reading the book, <clears throat> you know? And I think a lot of creators have that mentality. And I think that's, it's good to be modest, but I think what Stan was, what it seems like he was saying to Gail, right? Is that like, what what you do is important to a lot of people. And, you know, that's not a thing that you should be uh, embarrassed about or even like blasé about. Like, you know, um, the fact that you have achieved what you've achieved, that you've gotten this far, that your work is, that you have the privilege to, have a platform where you can talk to the audience is, is a gift. And I think he always looked at it that way, you know? And I think he definitely seemed like a person who really had a, a, you know, like a, I think a really healthy relationship with his audience because he, I think he took the love that we gave him and he mirrored it back.
3: Hmm.
1: Yeah. A lot of the, um, or at least several of the accounts I've seen over the past few days are, our uh, creators and, and fans who have said, Oh, thank you so much for, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in, and most of it is just in passing because how do you get a moment with Stan Lee? It's very rare. But in that moment, he'll look back and he'll go, I did that for you. And that's it. <laughs> and uh, that, yeah, that's very profound.
0: Yeah, uh, and, and to the point that you guys are making, uh, there was a video released by the Real Stanley Twitter account, uh, and it's a it's a video that's uh, that that's only coming out now. It's a posthumous video of him speaking about uh, what it's like to have fans and how much it means to him to have fans, and uh, this. This video definitely caught me, really, really impacted me because he speaks about the idea of of having fans, the idea of people loving you who don't know you and supporting you who don't know you. Um, And and by no, I mean have like a personal relationship with um, and and how crazy that is, but also how cool it is. And um, I guess I had never really thought about it in the way that he speaks on it and i i just thought it was cool that he had that he that, that it meant so much to him you know
2: yeah i cuz i you know i think something that i've always been a little uncomfortable with is i think a lot of people characterize cuz like again right like stan was not a perfect person you know um but i think a lot of people kind of characterize the character as being phony and I don't, I don't think that's true. You know, I think Stan was a salesman and, you know, he definitely put on a character for his audience because he was a performer. Um, but I, I always got the sense that he that it was genuine, you know, because I think something we said a lot, right, was like, Stan has been rich for a long time. Like he didn't need to keep going to conventions and doing all that shit when he was in his nineties, you know, like he did it because he loved it. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, I, I think he had a really special relationship with his audience, you know, and with the, the world that he had, uh, a big hand in, in crafting, you know? And I think like that is something that, um, a, a lot of people with that level of involvement don't. They don't get that involved, you know, like they have a complicated relationship with their creations or with their level of fame or, or, you know, like notoriety and stuff like that. And I think I, I always admired the way that, um, that Stan behaved, you know, that even though he was this larger than life figure, he was the person who took the time to stop and meet the fans, you know, and, and do something that for him is, like you said, kind of a moment in passing, but for, that creator that kid that whoever was a moment that really mattered to them you know and uh and he went out of his way to i think to do that and that's something he didn't have to do and a lot of his contemporaries didn't do you know and a lot of people you know who are relevant now
0: still don't do so what was what was your guys experience with learning that Stan had died and your your emotional reaction how 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 did you guys process this whole thing Uh so I I was at work when I got the news
2: and I it, I was um in my office to train somebody so it was like I couldn't even like really think about it you know until several hours later and um you know I it, it really I don't feel like I really truly processed it until you uh the video that you're referencing, I saw that last night and I listened to it and I cried, you know? And uh I really did um you know I, I had a moment there because it it really did hit me. And um, you know, I think I I said it my my initial kind of like social media reaction to it was that, you know, like I I have the feeling that like I owe Stan a debt, you know, that I could never repay because of the things that he uh gave us you know but i think like specifically for me like it was it's spider-man you know and it's like that is a character who's had a profound impact on my life um through you know the darkest times in my life and um you know that is something that uh it's like like you said it's kind of hard to grasp it's hard to like put into words you know the fact that this this thing that he did um you know, 50 years, 40 years, whatever it was before I was born um, has had such meaning in my life and will continue to have meaning in other people's lives for, you know, generations to come. And uh, that's, it's really special, you know? And I I think as much as it is like hard to, um, as much as it's hard to feel too upset when you think about the fact that Stan lived to be 95 he was lucid for most of his life and uh, he achieved things that you know the rest of us can really only dream of and uh it's it's hard to you know it's I feel like his time was cut short or something like that but it doesn't it doesn't make the loss any uh less real you know so it, it was it's it's sad it is sad but you know I think i I want to try to focus on the positive you know of the, of the things that he was able to achieve and the good that he was able to do in his life and um that it, it you know uh nobody's perfect but i i think you know few people can can definitely claim to have done and contributed as much as somebody like stan so you know um good for him and thank you for the contribution
0: how about you, Kale? What was your sort of experience of learning about his death and your emotional response and all that?
1: I I think ultimately I don't have a a sexy answer or a a, a eulogy, you know. Uh but um uh, I I was just, you know, I, I was at home. I'm I'm writing full time now and and uh I was I think I was actually I just finished dinner with my wife and I was debating whether or not I wanted to work more. <clears throat> and when I saw the news, I went, I think I'm going to work more. And um, ultimately, I think I think that sort of, in a dumb way, I think that's what, I don't know, not what he would have done necessarily. I, like I don't want to say that, but I think it felt like the right thing to do
0: what he would have wanted you to do
1: probably yeah. you know yeah um i yeah i i i'm still processing a lot of feelings i have because you know a lot of a lot of the more negative business aspects of of the the way marvel comics came up and and the way a lot of his collaborations you know ended up going um sort of It it bothers me a lot, but, you know, ultimately I, 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 I would like to focus on, on the work and focus on, on celebrating what I'm, what I am truly learning is, is a genuine part of his personality.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, I, I guess, I don't know. I, I haven't really had much of an emotional reaction to be honest, and it's not because I don't care; it's just because uh, it's, a, it's it's a tough one, and uh, I don't know how to feel, so I'm just not letting myself feel. Really, it's kind of yeah. how I operate. Um, yeah. Uh, but I did I did definitely feel a lot last last night when I was, you know, gathering. Uh, Information and accounts yesterday, and I—it I, was the Stanley video that we talked about, the uh, the one from his Twitter page, and then it was also a video that um, that Marvel put out um, that just kind of remembered him, and that that really touched me because um, <clears throat> the video early on, there's a moment where he's talking about um, it's just, just like I don't know, like a pilot type of thing, and he's just talking about. Um what what he wants the video to be. And there's a way that he speaks that just comes across as I don't know, so genuine. And like I just feel when I hear him talk in these in both of these videos, I just feel the passion that he has, like oozing out of his body. Even in, in this video, uh, which is from the the footage is from 1968. Um, and then and then in the the twitter video which is from of you know this year I, I i guess um with both of those you just it's the same passion that comes out of him and that's not that's not common that's that's not common i hope in my life to be as passionate about anything as he was about every single character he created every single person who was a fan of his that's cool that's you know that's um it's something to aspire to and uh i don't know like as a kid i, I never really thought much about stanley he was he was a, a, a figure for sure and i knew what he was responsible for but it's hard to i don't know it was hard for me anyway to have this deep feeling for him
1: yeah i think i think and i i, I think i could probably speak for for pete when i say this too i think i think we specifically and like our age range especially for like the pals and, and even you know the long box too uh, like our age range like we kind of started reading comics as he was like sort of well out of them but there are people who like like I saw an account from my, my old professor from the University of Dundee um, you know I my comics professor Um, Said that he, you know, he never got to meet him, uh, never got to meet Stan, but Stan was the comics voice inside his head. So it's like, you know, when you, when you get to read that, that voice that, that Stan had and he put in the books and that like sold the books and like that was what made Marvel, you know, I think, I think it, it, you would feel that tremendous loss, yeah um because you you would it, you know it would i it would it would feel like someone you listen to every week you know dying <laughs> it's you know it's not i you know you i think i think the way he or it seems like he he put together Marvel and like the stand soap box and stuff would be like how we listen to podcasts now. You know, it would be like someone you have in your head, and you're listening to, and who you perceive as as a friend, or or you know, uh, someone that you listen to. Um,
2: dying, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I I think you're right that like we we are a little removed from him because of when we were born. Like when I was a kid, like he was already. The granddad of comics. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know? Uh, But I I think it is the thing of as I've gotten older, my opinions on him have changed, you know, because I've learned more about the history and stuff like that. And like my relationship with the medium has changed a lot, you know? Um, But yeah, it's, I I think, I think you're right. Like there is a, a bit of, Distance, I guess, there with like some of the modern comics readers and and what his real like I don't know what his real legacy was there. You know, it's like a little mixed up with Stan the character too.
1: Yeah, and I think I think it like it, it you know in my case I think I think it can get easily overshadowed by you know the the like the the credit argument and you know the the relationships he it has come out that he's, you know, had with his, his collaborators or, you know, the, the gritty, nasty business stuff that he did or felt he had to do, whatever the case may be.
2: Yeah, and, and I think I think that's the the reality, right, is, and this is something that I know I've said on all of our programs, is that I think that's the problem with how we look at real people as figures sometimes, you know, that, like, the reality is that, you know, Stan was not a totally good or totally bad person. You know, no one is. And I'm sure that, you know, for all the positive things we can say about him, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who we also respect who could say a lot of negative things about him. And I think that's the reality of human beings, especially exceptional ones, is that it's rarely all black and white. You know, it's that the reality of who Stan is or was uh, is going to be different to every person. And, you know, the 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 criticisms of the things that he did as a businessman and some of the ways that he treated his partners are valid. Um, but that that doesn't make his artistic contributions invalid. You know, that doesn't make his relationship to the fans invalid or the way that he uh, revolutionized the way people saw and talked about comics. Those things are true, too and you have to take the good with the bad because that's that's the man
0: yeah and and you know i got to say this because it's it's probably the biggest uh sticking point that i've had throughout this whole week is that everybody feels that now's the time to deliver their hottest take about stanley and you know what he did to people and all this kind of stuff and it's like it's really aggravating because <laughs> If you're 30, right, chances are pretty great that if you died right then and there, there are people who you knew in life who would have negative things to say about you because that's the way that life works. Now, triple that because he was 95. How many people did he meet in life? How many people did he interact with in life who are going to have negative things to say about who he was and any one of us? It's gonna be the same way. If we are lucky enough to live that long, there are people who are gonna say negative things about us. None of us are gonna go through life being the, you know, ideal, you know, superhuman person who no one, who who doesn't wrong anyone ever or ever say the wrong thing or ever make a wrong choice. None of us are gonna be that. And so, I think it's ridiculous all of the people who feel. That now is a perfect time to talk about the things that he did that were wrong or whatever. It's you know it's fine to acknowledge that. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I think we've done a lot of that over the last ten years. People have have definitely made it more of a point to speak about Stan in total rather than just the bright and shiny parts of him. But now that he's dead, I don't think that anything he did. In retrospect, is so awful that it needs to be the subject of this. I don't think that that's what needs to dominate the conversation, and I don't think that you're making yourself look cool by you know making that the subject of your conversation about Stanley now that he's dead. I don't I don't think that that's necessary. We're not talking about a human being who uh, you know is reported to have you know. Uh, done anything so egregious that we shouldn't be able to look back on him kindly is the point I'm trying to make yeah he did some shitty things in business lots of people have done shitty things in business let's have some perspective
2: And and realistically man like I think anybody who who's like been part of a creative project like at some point like sometimes creative relationships break down you know and like like that kind of thing happens and you know, I think it's it's also easy to characterize Stan as the you know, oh, well, he screwed everybody over because he was rich and he didn't he took he didn't share credit right? Well, it's also like realistically too, Stanley has also always been a public figure who like built on his celebrity, like Jack Kirby was famously a recluse after the end of his career, and it's like there there's a, there's an argument to be made that, like. The blame doesn't always fall on squarely on him for why his collaborators didn't always get enough um, attention because like Stan is famous and like the casual person knows who he is. And like, that's part of why his celebrity has eclipsed so many other creators from that time. You know, uh, Ditko was the the recluse. Wasn't Kirby as well in the er- later parts of his life? No, I don't think so. Okay. Um, but yeah, either way, um, I think it's, it's too easy for people to want to paint him as this holy, good grandfatherly figure that was perfect and gifted us all these superheroes. And it's just as disingenuous to, you know, portray him as like a crook.
0: Sure. But I don't think that, I don't think that in a time where he's now dead, uh, that it's, it's now high time to go and talk about what a complicated man he was. You don't know how complicated of a man he was. You don't know what a crook he was. No, no, there are very few people that are talking about those things that know anything about what they're talking about. Yes, we all understand that there were things that he probably did in business that were shitty, but none of us were involved in that. And I don't understand why there is this grand need on the part of uh, the Twitter world to, uh, you know.
2: There it is.
1: <laughs> That's it.
0: Fair it's, enough. Well,
2: I mean, I think I think it's also like, it's not just Twitter, right? Like Vice put out an article the day after he died that was about how he was a controversial figure. And here's all these things that he did that were shitty. And it's like... You know, my reaction to that stuff is like, we can talk about those things, but it's like, let the
0: body get cold, man. You know, yeah. it's disrespectful we, on this podcast. We have talked about Stan Lee many times and uh, when the whole crap was going on with Kia Morgan and you know some of the allegations we talked a lot about Stanley and we talked a lot about his life and we talked a lot about the the controversial if you want to use that word stuff about him but now that he's dead i don't see that i don't feel the need to rehash those things i re- i really just don't by all accounts personally he was a great guy and i would rather focus on that and I would rather focus on what he did uh, and and the ways in which he enriched my life and the world at large because that's big stuff and the, the the interpersonal relationships in business business relationships fall apart for a million different reasons that the average person is not going to know that's just the way it works. Uh, so we we we're talking about a lot of the ways that people have spoken negatively about Stan and uh, one of the people who spoke very negatively uh, is actually Bill Maher. Uh, Bill Maher had some really disrespectful things to say about Stanley and about comic books at large. And so I'm going to read them. I understand that this may frustrate some people, but I want to give a full account of what the week has been like and, and all the things that have been said, and this is a part of it. So here we go. The guy who created Spider-Man and the Hulk has died in America's in mourning. Deep, deep mourning for a man who inspired millions to, I don't know, watch a movie, I guess. Someone on Reddit posted... I'm so incredibly grateful I lived in a world that included Stan Lee. Personally, I'm grateful I lived in a world that included oxygen and trees, but to each his own. Now, I have nothing against comic books. I read them now and then when I was a kid and I was all out of Hardy Boys. But the assumption everyone had back then, both the adults and the kids, was that comics were for kids. And when you grew up, you moved on to big boy books without the pictures. Uh, but then 20 years or so ago, something happened. Adults decided they didn't have to give up kid stuff. And so they pretended comic books were actually sophisticated literature. And because America has over 4,500 colleges, which means we need more professors than we have smart people, some dumb people got to be professors by writing these tit- by writing these with titles like Otherness and Heteroxity in The Silver Surfer. And now when adults are forced to do grown-up things like buy auto insurance, they call it adulting and act like it's some giant struggle. Uh, So he goes on to talk about uh, the only place in the world that Donald Trump could be elected president is a place where comic books are important, um, which is a a ridiculous statement. What, What do you guys have to say about Bill Maher's little rant? Bill Maher can go
2: fuck himself, dude, and, like, that has nothing to do with this, right? Like, I felt that way before this. Uh, He's a piece of shit, but putting that aside, this is such a, this speaks to why I fucking hate this guy, because this is what he does, right? He says something shitty and gets a rise out of people so that people fucking pay attention to him. He's a fucking child is what he is. And what you just said, Sean, if he knew anything about what he was talking about, um, you know, he would know that comics are way more important in several cultures around the world where, uh, we haven't elected a Donald Trump style leader. So, um, yeah, nice try, buddy, but you know, tr- yeah, no, better luck next time.
0: Yeah. Uh, Donald, I mean, Donald Trump, uh, Bill Maher is is one of those people who, you know, whenever there's a tragedy or whenever there's something that that happens that people are having one reaction that generally seems emotionally appropriate, he's the guy in the room who has to go, well, you know what? Actually, nah, you guys are all wrong. You guys are wrong to feel that way. Um, and it's not warranted. I think other times where he has done that, you could argue that um, that dissent is is necessary, especially when you're talking about politics. It's good to have people who have the other opinion. But I think when you're talking about someone who died, uh, this is just a stupid, uh, callous comment to make. You're talking about people who have um, real reactions to to a death and you're going to make fun of them for that. I think that's insane. That's that's just heartless and um unnecessary callous is a is a great word for it, dude,
2: like yeah, it's just like what like what did you what did you stand to gain from this? oh right, attention, right? right, because that's what you thrive on, and it's like what an asshole, like what an unbelievably rude thing to do for no reason other than to just try to build on your own shitty fucking pile of just negativity you know that's your that's your legacy and you're going to talk about how it's dumb that people are mourning stan lee what are we going to say when you died good fucking riddance you
0: hateful prick oh boy oh boy (laughs) um yeah and and also (laughs) go ahead get it all
2: out i just i don't have any fucking patience for people where that's that's all you contribute to the cultural conversation, right? Is to be a rude, nasty, dismissive, white asshole who's just like, let me stand up on my ivory tower and tell you all how it really is. Because kids today, it's like, go fuck yourself, you fucking obsolete
0: asshole. I like that, obsolete. Um Speaking obsolete of obsolete <laughs> Speaking of obsolete, why is Bill Maher writing blog posts? What's that about? Doesn't he have like a television show or something? I don't oh, know well, he,
2: he has to he has to reach us idiot millennials somehow. But,
0: but blog like that's I don't know that just seems that just seems strange. <laughs> hey, you know Catch what? me at catch me at
1: Billmarr.blogspot.com <laughs> <Maher>. <laughs> <laughs> Have you kids heard about this new thing called Live
2: Journal?
3: <laughs>
2: Catch me overall on Blogger.
0: Oh, man. That's uh, Yeah. I'm not sure about that one. Um, but also coming in hot with a take is actually Army Hammer, uh, who chose to take this opportunity to take a crap on celebrities. Um, I'll just read his tweet. So touched by all of the celebrities posting pictures of themselves with Stan Lee. No better way to commemorate an absolute legend than putting up a picture of yourself. Uh, Way
2: to minimize Stan's entire deal, bro. He was all about the fans and you're going to be upset with people for posting pictures that they took with the guy. Way to miss
0: the mark a lot of people have come for army over this issue uh, but probably none harder or better than the the love of the comic book world at the moment Jeffrey Dean Morgan who said oh, this was
2: priceless
0: <laughs> looks like you found a way to use looks like you found a way to use others way of mourning and their memories to draw some attention to yourself you sound like a real asshat I love it. <laughs> I love it too. Short sweet and to the point.
2: And it's true, right? Like you're sitting there like it's like you said, it's a it's a hot take. You know? It's like you're shooting from the hip and being like, Oh yeah, way to make it about yourself. You're literally make trying to make it about yourself so that you can put everyone else down and look how great you are for not buying into that. Like asshole. Rude. Just a rude move, dude. Totally uncalled for. Kale, you got a thought?
1: I'm just disappointed. I thought I thought Army Hammer would be
0: better. Oh yeah, that's right, you're a fan. I yeah. like Army Hammer. I did. Yeah. Uh yeah, this I just don't get it, man. Like why why is that the why is that the critique of of all the things to criticize celebrities for? Why is that the critique? They and dude, it's like it's just be.
1: My grandma died. I'm gonna post this picture of myself with her.
3: <laughs> we're making about yourself, Kale.
1: I just, but she was my grandma.
3: Yeah, I don't have any
1: pictures of her.
3: And, by and it's just,
2: I just Those don't were for my grandpa. <laughs> oh no, that took a turn. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, man, like let people. Let people process how they're going to process. You know, if that's not your way of grieving or whatever, fine. You know, it's like, but I don't, I don't understand why everybody needs to like make commentary about that sort of thing. It's like a couple of weeks ago when it was like voting day, right, in America, and everybody was posting pictures with their like "I voted" sticker, and then every other person who doesn't vote and wants to know wants you to know how great they are for not voting. Why does everybody need to post these pictures? It's just like. Dude, just, why do you need to comment on everything? You know, like, if that's not not what you want to do, fine, shut up. The world doesn't need your hot take. Absolutely. Or again, I would suggest that you start a podcast like a normal person. That's where you can deliver (laughs) your hot takes.
0: Or a blog (laughs) like
2: Bill Maher. Bill
0: (laughs) Uh, so let's move on because lots of other good people had good things to say about Stanley. Um, and as Pete mentioned earlier, Mark Wade was one of them. So many different comic book creators have done so. I want to read a little bit of what Mark Wade had to say. Well, Pete, since you brought it up, you can if you want to. Yeah, uh, and do you want to read the whole story or just the
2: initial statement? I love the story. Honestly, we'll do the whole so, thing then because I think yeah. it's good. Yep. Uh, I I I, th- I thought. Th- this was great. Mark posted this over on Facebook, and uh, I thought it, I thought it was a really, a really nice sentiment and one that I, I echo in a lot of ways. Uh, so he says a few more thoughts about Stan. He was a controversial figure. Yes, I credit him with more of the creation of the Marvel comics than some others do less than others. But I stand by what I have long said that if not for Stan, there was a strong chance that comic books solely and exclusively for children before Stan and Jack Kirby came along might very well have followed the path of drive in theaters and automats obsolete relics that no longer speak to who we are and what we crave. His collaborators brought their share, but it was Stan the Showman who went out and recruited a whole new audience of teens and college kids. It was Stan who let the world know that comics were still vital and relevant in an era where other publishers were ashamed to talk about what they did for a living. It was Stan whose bombast turned Marvel Comics from a second-place publishing company into the cultural phenomenon it became. I had several meals and legitimate no showman no showmanship conversations with Stan over the past 15 years or so. When I was at Boom Studios working with him on a new line of books, I admit that I fu- fully expected him to be disinterested and, let's say, light in oversight. Instead, he rolled up his sleeves and got into the creative process. He wasn't there just to sell us his name. He had suggestions, offered improvements, and my hand to God throughout little. Bits of wisdom that seemed obvious but were framed in such a way that it made me rethink the way I approach storytelling. The best day, the very best day I ever had with Stan, had to do with these projects. He didn't like one of the issues and said 48 hours suppressed that he couldn't put his name on it. I asked him to give me around two days to rip up the floorboards and fix it all. I moved panels around, moved pages around, and I had art changed and redrawn and rewrote heavily with the blessing of the writer. What I brought back to him. Oh, sorry. When I brought it back to him, nervous and skating on the edge of catastrophe, he sat down beside me on his couch, read it page by page, put it down, and said to me, that is one of the best editing jobs I've ever seen. That moment goes in the highlight reel when I die. And then, and then, then, with his face front, true believers facade dropped, just being real and heartfelt and sincere, Stan started talking about what it was like working with his Spider-Man partner Steve Ditko, how great Ditko was from the start, how much, and specifically in what ways Stan saw him improve over the years. He dissected for me in detail how Ditko approached storytelling, and I wish to God I could remember chapter and verse because no Stan interview or retrospective had ever covered any of this before. What I rec- what I mostly recall is the sim is simply the complete and total sincerity with which he shared the anecdotes in a voice I'd never heard from him before. Or Since, thank you, Stan. You had no idea how much you'll be
0: missed. Yeah, um, and and such a great account, and one that illustrated something that, um, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, which was just that um, there is this version of Stan Lee that we all know, uh, which is the, the 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 larger than life personality. But when it came to the 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 brass tacks, when it came to comic book creation that was something that he really, really cared about, and he obviously very, he really cared about it well into his life, because his work with Mark Wade at this point, um, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, um, he's still really old, you know, he died at 95, so he's still in his 80s during these conversations, and he's still sharp, and he still has it, and he still cares, um, I, I read an account. Go that's ahead. What, that's wild that he went, no, I'm not putting my name on that. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. can you imagine? I had the perspective. I'll be honest. I had the perspective of Stan as being, you know, for the last however many years, just a guy who was collecting a paycheck off his name. And that's clearly not true. Um, And there was another story from the. Directors of uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, um, Tim Lord and 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 Miller. I, I can't remember the other guy's Phil? full name. Phil, Phil, Phil Miller. Not sure. Um, but they had talked about how they got a meeting with Stan Lee, um, and they were just gonna just kind of talk to him. And it was it was set up through a friend, and they just kind of wanted to talk to him about what they wanted to do with the film, and. He came into the meeting with seven pitches in 45 minutes for oh ideas about what they could do. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how much of that if anything made it into the movie, but it's cool the idea that this guy who created Spider-Man so long ago still thinks about it and still has it and that that's that's nice. Yeah. Um nice th- that he still loves him. Yeah
1: one of the one of the things I'm <laughs> not to get not to get uh you know too religious or, or whatever but there's a there's a book called um Hicksville and it's about who it's about a guy who stumbles across um a town with a library of all of the the books that were never created. So so for you know for just for example like uh Matt Fraction's like Inhumans. Like that would be in that library. <laughs> okay. So it's just it's all the stories that were almost told but never quite were. Um, I, I it's so. Uh, what, so what I was gonna say is, uh, man, I I cannot wait to, to get to heaven to hear the rest of Stan, Lloyd, Stan Lee Stanley Spider Man stories.
0: Like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you gotta figure long after he stopped writing the character, he's got ideas. Surely. I wonder if there's Um, notebooks somewhere that are just, like, full of them. Wings like that might come out.
1: That would be wild.
0: Yeah, it's possible. Um, So other other industry professionals had things to say, of course, and I just want to read a few of them just because, um, you know, that's what we're doing here. Um, Jeremy Kirby, who is the grandson of uh, Jack Kirby said stan lee was an icon and for many people the face of comic books his passing brings great sadness but i take solace in knowing that what my grandfather stan and so many others like them gave us will continue to inspire both young and old across the globe r.i.p stan Uh, i i thought that was a really cool message uh, especially coming from uh the grandson of of jack kirby from, from the kirby estate yeah yeah um Sadly, a lot of people took opportunity to go on that individual's Twitter page and disparage Stan Lee. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? Fuck uh, Yeah. Dan Slot said, no writer or their work has ever had as profound an effect on my life as that of Stan the Man Lee. In the history of the written word, no one even comes close. His stories will live on for every generation. Never the end. Always to be continued. Uh, Mitch Jared's said, my very first professional comics gig was a variant cover that Stan signed every copy of hell of a way to enter the industry, an industry that Stanley shaped into what it is today, an industry that I love. Thank you, Stan. You'll never be forgotten. Um, uh, and just a lot, a lot like that. Uh, Scott Snyder said, deeply saddened to hear about Stanley's passing out with the kids and can't do this one justice today was lucky enough to meet Stan early in my career. I was introduced to him as a newbie and he said, "Don't look so nervous, kid. All the good stuff is just ahead." Man, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. That is that's great. Yeah. What a story. Um, and just just so many like that. So many creators thanking Stanley. Um <clears throat> I think do, do you
2: know? Go ahead. What one that really stuck out to me um was actually Kevin Smith's uh, and they, have, they were. I have that
0: one too. Yep. There you we'll go. go for it.
2: Yeah, I mean they, they were they were actually pretty good like personal friends as well. So um, it's it's a little long, but I think it's really sweet. So uh, he, he his originally original eulogy is uh, with a, a picture of him uh, Stan and and Jason Muse um, at an event that they were you know at promoting um, one of Kevin's movies that Stan was involved in. So <clears throat> this is what he had to say. This is how I'll always see you, Stanley, as our benevolent leader and king, smiling down from your eternal throne on the generations of imaginations you fed and inspired. You were the first creator whose voice I knew before I'd actually heard it. You dreamed up some of my favorite modern myths and created characters that instilled in me a moral barometer, teaching me right from wrong and showing me it's always better to be a hero instead of a villain. Your characters represented us. Yes, they had extraordinary extraordinary, unbelievable abilities but they were also reflections of a world we knew, where a Spider-Man is really just a boy who wants to help. You showed me how to interact with the audience whenever you stepped on the stand soapbox to reach out to the readers. You showed me how to av- advocate for my field beyond the actual art itself whenever you tub-thumped for Comic books outside the medium. It was never enough for you to simply make a comic because you were a true salesman at heart. So you not only sold comics, you sold me on comics. So much that I built a life and a career around your dreams and ideals. When you did Mall Rats with us, you not only made a lifelong fan's dream come true, you also lent me comic book credibility that I still get to spend today. And whether it was for comic book men, or yoga hosers. Whenever I asked to borrow your heat again, you were always there for me with a smile. Your love story with Joan and your long happy marriage always shined as an example of what I wanted for my personal life. I long admired and emulated your kindness and patience and sense of humor when dealing with your public. Outside of my parents, you were the one adult who gave me the most useful life skills I still use today. Thank you, Stan, for making me not only the boy I was, but the man I am today. You had great power, and you always used it responsibly, fostering billions of dreamers who all know your name—a name written in the stars for all time. You are not just a literary titan of comic books; you are a modern modern-day Mark Twain. I will miss you all my days, my friend and hero. Excelsior, forevermore.
0: Yeah, beautiful, absolutely. Um. And and the last one that I personally wanted to read was from Jeff Johns. Uh, and it's it's uh, very short but I I think it's well said um, and this is in quotes and now until we meet again may the blessings of Asgard be showered upon you uh, and that's from that's a quote from Stan uh, through, through the character Baldur the brave through, you know on the Thor comic he said thank you for sharing your genius and your heart with the world Stan um so I really I really appreciate all of the thanks that that's outpouring from you know, all these professional people who likely wouldn't have their careers without him. Um, Go ahead. Kill.
1: I was going to say, I have one, one more just short, uh, short story from, um, from actually uh, the recently passed uh, Len Wein um, on the Nerdist comics panels um, early on. And you'll have to forgive me. It's been, it's been a while since I listened to this episode, but um, Len, Len on that show used to talk about, you know, what it was like working in the Marvel offices back then and uh he said uh one of my one of my personal favorite stories is uh one night uh they were all there and they all had a bunch of food and uh they were all working and and they were all just kind of bored so they got somebody had the bright idea to start wrestling just in the office <laughs> <laughs> so they uh they took their shirts off and they just started going at it right uh filing cabinets everywhere desk chairs Stan comes out of his office you know he's got his bag over his uh, over his shoulder or whatever and he's, he looks around and he goes what's going on out here nobody really says anything he says alright have a good night and he leaves <laughs> 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 and that's it that's the story um, <laughs> but uh, yeah I don't know uh, that's funny just, yeah those you know those early days were just it's the wild west and uh you know he was the king of it,
0: sure. it's a true cowboy we've We've mentioned the Stan soapbox a few times. Uh, and um one of the that that was a that was a a um a thing that was in like the back of a lot of the books that um that he wrote, and uh just like a message to the fans or whatever. And recently, the Stan soapbox um, has kind of resurfaced, one of them in particular. And the reason why I bring this one up is because it shows the kind of man he was uh, with respect to how he felt about society at large and the the need for diversity, uh, not necessarily as a. Not necessarily because it's it's good for, you know, the voices to be heard, but because it's the right thing to do. Um, so he said, let's lay it. Let's lay it right on the line. Bigotry and racism are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But unlike a team of costumed supervillains, they can't be halted with a punch in the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them. To reveal them for the insidious evils they really are. The bigot is an unreasoning hater. One who hates blindly, fanatically, indiscriminately. If his hang-up is black men, he hates all black men. If a redhead once offended him, he hates all redheads. If some foreigner beats him to a job, he's down on all foreigners. He hates people he's never seen, people he's never known, with equal intensity, with equal venom. Now, we're not trying to say it's unreasonable for one human being to bug another, but although anyone has the right to dislike another individual, it's totally irrational, patently insane to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire nation, to vilify an entire religion. Sooner or later, we must learn to judge each other on our own merits. Sooner or later, if man is to ever be worthy of his destiny, we must fill our hearts with tolerance. For then, and only then, will we be truly worthy of the concept that man was created in the image of God, a God who calls us all his children. That's an incredible statement uh, from a man that came 50 years ago. And uh, I think a lot of people, a lot of people say now oh well you know the x-men weren't that wasn't had nothing to do with civil rights that wasn't about that and that doesn't reflect on how stan saw race or anything but i think this is a this is a clear and firm declaration of how he felt about racism and any of the isms and hatred in general and uh it really it really warmed my heart to to read this uh after he died for sure
2: yeah man it uh, reading that, I I, sh- I shared that too in the aftermath of his passing. And I think um, similar to what Kevin Smith said in his statement, right? I think it speaks to Stan's character and his ideology and, and one that I think he was consistent with, you know, across all of his stories and um, granted, you know, there, there are some things in some of them that maybe haven't aged as, as well as you'd hope. But I think the, the, the core value there was earnest, you know, and it was the hero's mantra of, you know, treating all people from all walks of life with respect and dignity. um, And choosing to be a hero whenever you can.
0: So uh, I wanted to close out with a question for you guys.
2: Could it be a random question of the week?
0: Yes, I yes. It Stan, could. I don't
2: think Stan would like that very much. <laughs> I, Pete, Are you, you kidding me? Stan is a bombastic man and he would appreciate my energy. Yeah, you're right. That that joke felt
1: I felt fake, really. I just like I needed to get in there. Nobody'd heard from me in a little while. I just <laughs>
2: I'm
1: I haven't talked hey, in two guys, minutes, and
0: that
2: seems ridiculous.
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's a really simple one. I just wanted to ask. What is your favorite of all the Stan Lee cameos?
1: I think mm, I think mine is the uh the one in the Incredible Hulk. Mm. The one with Ed Norton where he uh where he supposedly Hulk's out because a little bit of Hulk's blood or sweat or whatever got in the soda. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: I think that's my favorite one.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. You go, Sean. I'm still mulling it over. Sure. Uh, so I, I've, I've got two. I'm cheating a little bit, but uh, it's Stan Lee we're talking about. Uh, so the one, the first one that I ever saw and the one that uh, had the biggest impact on me of all is actually when Stan Lee appeared as a character in the uh, Spider-Man animated show. Oh, uh, Okay when Spider-Man meets him, that was so, I was a young kid and I didn't know much, but I knew that that was very significant. And uh, that had an impact on me as a young person. I really, really loved that and seeing them together. I thought that was so cool. Um, But the other one uh, that I think really kind of encapsulates Stan Lee, and they got it so, so right in a movie that was so, so wrong, is Spider-Man 3 uh his his cameo there where he meets up with Peter Parker and they kind of stand and look at the ticker that's talking about spider man yes. and he just says, Oh one man really can change the world enough said I really yeah. love that one
2: yeah that that one's really really good uh you know it's funny man like I, the one that really like sticks out to me is actually uh the one that um that Kevin referenced, which is his his appearance in Mallrats where um, the uh, it's Jason Lee's character in the in the film is uh, like an obsessed comic book fan, and he meets Stan Lee, and he like has all these questions for him, and Stan kind of like slows him down and ends up giving him some really like good solid advice about you know kind of like there's like basically it's this thing of like there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with um, with loving and dedicating yourself to comics, right? Or to loving art, but that the most important relationships are the ones that you have in your life. Right? And he's and he makes a commentary about that using examples with some of his characters, you know? And um that that's I don't know, that scene's always like really stuck with me. Like as something that felt like a really good encapsulation of kind of Stan Lee as a character, you know? Yeah. The public facing Stan. So that's that's probably the one that, that sticks out to me.
0: So, uh, to close out, I just wanted to read a quote from the man himself uh, that um, that Marvel actually put up on their remembering Stan Lee article on their website, um, and it's it's the following: I used to be embarrassed because I was just a comic book writer, while other people were building bridges or going on to medical careers, and then I began to realize entertainment is one of the most important things in people's lives without it they might go off on the deep end i feel that if you're able to entertain you're doing a good thing and uh stan you entertained us all and your characters will continue to entertain us all for a very 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 long time to come so thank you may your
1: memory be a blessing
0: thanks Stan. So that's going to do it for us here on the Comics Pals. Uh, You can let us know your thoughts about what we talked about here today. You can share your memories of Stan, whether you have personal memories of meeting him at a convention or a chance encounter somewhere or just how his characters have impacted your life. And there are many ways you can reach out to us and do that. Uh, We are on podcast hosting platforms galore. You can get us on social media at the Comics Pals. You can write to us with your thoughts on this or any other episode of the show by hitting us up at, thecomicspals at gmail.com and if you are watching this on YouTube, you can leave us a like while you're at it, drop us a comment with your thoughts, share the video with your friends, and subscribe to our channel. All of those things are free to do and they help us out a ton. Um, and, and that's all. Uh, so let's just do some plugs before we jump out of here. Kale?
1: You can find my stuff at uh, Panels Publishing on Comicsology. We also have a selfie store at Panels... No, at Selfie.com slash panels publishing. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W.
2: Pete. Alright, if you guys want to connect with me, I'm at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on our sister show, The Video Game Pals with Sean by my side. Uh, you can also catch me on our Let's Play show, Pals Play, Monday through Thursday over on the Video Game Pals YouTube channel, which uh, please go check that out if you're a gamer and you haven't already. Uh, and then if you want to get some more content from me, I'm also uh, working with the team over at LootPots.com where I uh, I work on the news, I uh, do some reviews, I host their weekly podcast, The Cast, which is a Nintendo fan show. So if you're interested in hearing more of me talk, there's plenty of opportunity for you to do that. Please go connect and uh, show your support and uh,
0: that's it. Marco is Mr. Uh, Mr. Marco Ademoto, uh, yep. I think. And uh, Phil is Cyborg Bebop, although I'm not sure why you'd want to find him anywhere.
1: Oh, sorry. Sorry, guys. Hang on just a second. Oh, Phil, it's weird. That's, that's weird. Phil's calling me. Oh. Um, let me uh, let me just put him up to the speaker. Let's just see what he has to say. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Phil Casey, and you can follow me at Cyborg Bebop. That's C Y B O C O. the bebop to the bebop. Okay, bye.
0: Weird.
2: <laughs> that was not, something else.
0: Hate, I'm not even sure how to feel about Weird. that uh, impression you were doing. I don't know I can't what that the was. Impression. That
1: was Phil. Hmm.
0: Alright, uh, and as for me, I am at SeanTilbox on Twitter and Instagram. Let's talk about whatever you want to talk about. With that, with the am Alex Biles signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week.